So we're going to be teaching tonight on 1 Peter, and we graduated finally to chapter 3. And the theme of 1 Peter is living in a crisis. The church was in a crisis. They were under a persecution. One uh, preacher, historian, said that it was because Rome had burned down, and Nero, who was probably the one who started the fire, or had it started, blamed the Christians. So persecution came to the Christian church. And so when you're living in a crisis, it begins with the Christians scattered around. One of the things we need to do in a crisis is to make a decision. So there's some decisions we want to talk about in the Word of God, the decisions we need to make. So the first thing, and and this is, look, if I'm reading something that doesn't seem to be popular, I can't apologize because it's just the Word of God. So let's just jump in. So in verses 1 to 7, let's look at a decision to be a subject, a subject. So the Bible says, likewise, you wives. What is that word likewise? It's a link word from the last chapter. What did we deal with? Well, we dealt with learning to be, making a decision to be a servant or a traveler. We were just passing through. So uh, he is linking chapter two to chapter three. He said, just like we're supposed to be servants, he said, likewise, in the same manner, ye wives, to those that are married, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word, that means they're not Christian, be won by the conversation. That means the manner of living of the wives. Now, I know understand this isn't popular now and today, but in the Word of God, the Bible says that the man is the head of the wife. It doesn't say that men are in charge of women. Uh, you know, that it, there are people in charge who are women in government, in Disney. Have you ever heard of Queen Elsa? or Princess Elsa, and the men would come and say, Milady, and they would kind of bat, why? Because they were subject to her authority. And I don't know if anyone's seen Disney, so we're not talking about something that is just putting women down, but as anyone who's ever watched a team, when you have a team, that means more than one, okay? When you have a team, you have to make a collective decision. Use football, for example. Someone has to make a call. The quarterback makes the call. Blue, 22, 73. And the linebacker raises his hand. No, 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 no. No, we did that last time. And the wide receiver's like, oh, no, no. I don't want to go and hook left. No, no, no. Let's go blue, 22, 115. And the other guy's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why, why don't we just listen to uh, the linebacker? Because the linebacker's bigger. It would be a mess, wouldn't it? And really, the quarterback doesn't call the play. Here's a secret. They're told what to do. There's a strategy by the coach, the guy on the sideline with that big phone, and he talks to people, and he's the one that tells the quarterback what to do. So the husband's really not in charge. He's the head, but God dictates, here's how I want the family run. It's a team. And the husband's kind of like the quarterback. He has to make the call for what's good for the family. Now, in my family... My wife is intelligent, she's insightful, and she has an opinion. And guess what? 
her vote counts. Uh, I'm not like uh, some benevolent dictator. That's not what the Bible says. But there comes a time in every marriage when there's a disagreement, right? And sometimes we go with what she says and she has great ideas, better than mine sometimes. Uh, And there's a lot of times a linebacker has better idea than the quarterback. But the quarterback's job is to make the decision for the team so they can win. So they can win. And so sometimes my wife will give me her information and I'll say, honey, um, thank you, but we're going to do this. And so uh, what is she supposed to do about that? Well, uh, the Bible gives a declaration that, you know, you have to go with it. And, And the husband, if he messes up, guess what? There's some pressure right there, right? Because it's your fault, buddy. And you better believe it. There's an I told you so coming if you made a bad choice. So I know. And then my daughter's also watching like, Daddy, that was a bad idea. So I, don't, I know that that can come. I factor that all in. So, you know, I have to factor that all in when I make a decision, right? I got people watching me. Not And the church. They're watching me too. Uh, so the husband really lays his head on the pillow of responsibility every night. Just like when I became a pastor, Pastor Olson, my pastor, when I became the pastor, we were, we were talking on the phone. He goes, Brother Bigelow. And that's kind of how Reverend Olson talks. He said, will you pay the bills? And he didn't say, Brother Bigelow, will the church pay the bills? Will the people that work with you pay the bills? Brother Bigelow. God, will he pay? No, it was Brother Bigelow. <laughs> so every night. I go to bed and let me tell you, I think about the church, I think about the bills, I think about saving, I think about, I'm very serious. I think about the door being locked. I'll check it. Spencer will check it. I'll check it again. What? Say, preacher, why? Because I'm responsible. It stops with me. And with that, the pastor makes decisions for the church. Why? Because the church and a family and a team all has to have a leader. Well, The reason that the wives are supposed to be... Now, if we look at this in context, in this situation, now the the husband's the head of the wife, but it says here, now in some marriages, and this is what Peter is addressing, one person's a Christian, one person's not. Notice, it says that if any obey not the word, in this case, the wife is a Christian, and the husband's not a Christian. So a preacher, why would you want to obey an unchristian husband? Not to sin... That's not what the Bible is saying. The desire is that that husband... Now, here's what happens. You're a Christian. The Bible says you're supposed to marry another Christian. And if one of them dies, your spouse dies, you're free to marry again in the Lord. But it can also happen that two people who are not Christian get married and one gets saved at a revival You know, God deals with their heart. Now you have one Christian and one that's not a Christian. What do you do? The Bible deals with subjection. It's one of the main themes of Peter. And it seems like a crisis. Well, here's the desire. That they also may without the word be, they don't go to church. They don't read their Bible. Be one. Mm. Why does the quarterback make the call in football? To win the game. We want to win. We want to go in the end zone, make six points. Kick that little ball between the uprights. Make another point. That's the whole goal, to have more points than the other team 
at the end of the game. And the goal here for the wife is that through her subjection to God that the husband sees outside of church, they'll see something real in her life and want to give their life to God. You know, there's two types of athletes. You know that? There's those that play to win and those that play not to lose. You know it's a different kind of athlete? The guy that's playing to win, it's like a risk, but it's a challenge. It's a good thing. They're like going out, making it happen. The guys that play not to lose, it's kind of like they're just kind of not doing their best, but they don't want to give up what they have. Right? It's a two different attitudes, right? But as a Christian, I don't want to just survive. I want to thrive. I want my marriage to thrive. I want my life to thrive before God. And the thing, when a crisis comes, playing to win is going on the offense. Playing to not to lose, that's living a defensive life. You know, my unchristian husband said this. Oh, can't believe that. No, that's not what we're doing. That subjection acts like power to a husband. That's a woman's superpower. Now, this is not politically correct, but it's true. If I say something, I'm the head of the family, and my wife said, no, I don't think that's right. You can't do that. You know what a man will do? Well, either they'll say something back, or they'll go, hmm, and they'll get quiet, and they'll cross their arms. No, none of you men would do that, but everyone else would. Okay. And, and they would get quiet, and they would get sullen, and they step back or go into their room and slam the door. You know, wonderful family dynamics, right? Here's one thing my wife learned. If I say something, now what if I said something insensitive as someone may have, I may have done it once. It's like mini muffins, one or 12, you know. And when I say something insensitive, I'm a Christian husband though. (laughs) And she doesn't say anything. And she just is quiet. And doesn't respond. And my, and my insensitive comment hangs out there. You know who responds? See, husband's not in charge of everything. The Holy Ghost is. And if you say something insensitive to your wife, Holy Ghost is going to be on her side. Who's going to respond? Not her. Him. And guess what? He's in charge. So she learns if she goes, and just holds it, hold it, hold it. You know, like... Yesterday, my wife asked me to hand her a chapstick, and accidentally I handed her one of those glue sticks. She's still not talking to me. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. But... (laughs) Then the Holy Ghost responds. That's what the Bible's talking about. And it says, verse 2, while they behold your chaste conversation, your pure manner of life, your subjection to God, coupled with fear. And that's, that word fear means a reverence, a reverence to God, a reverence for the position of the husband. And you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll respect a preacher's. Uh, they may or may not be a real preacher in the, in the sense of God calling them. If their name is pastor such and such, reverend such and such, father such and such, guess what? Yes, sir. Yes, yes, ma'am. Reverend, father. I respect that office. I respect the office of the president, either political party. And if there's a third one that gets in there, 
Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Mr. President, Madam President. Why? I respect that office. God puts people in power, not man. God allowed it, right? So I have a, no problem expe- because the Bible says that I'm to be an example of the believer no matter what else someone else does. Timothy, it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, manner of life, in charity, in your love, in spirit, in your attitude. <laughs> it's a tude if it's bad, right? But a good attitude. In faith and in purity. That Timothy was told, whatever anyone else does, you be the example. And that's what God is saying to, uh, to us in First Peter chapter 3. Let's be the example no matter what other people do. And the wife was told, you be the example of the Christian no matter what your husband does. And if that means being subject to someone who's not a Christian, well, praise the Lord, in God and in things of God, not to do things that are, if I told my wife, told my daughter, hey, hey, Emma, here, take daddy's gun and go rob a bank. Would you do it? Are you thinking about it? Daddy told you, daddy told you, take the gun, go rob the bank. No answer? Or it's a shy father. Yeah, I got the shy answer. And I don't expect that. Because it's wrong. Because stealing is wrong. The government hates competition. Okay? But we find that, hey, Jackie Jack. But the Bible says, who's adorning? So it deals with the adorning of the wife. Who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of the plating of hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. You know, God has an Instagram, okay? The Instagram of God is not focused on the outside. It's focused on the inside. Say, preacher, you said it shouldn't be the plating of hair. Is it wrong to plate your hair? It would be wrong for me. (laughs) It'd be wrong for me. No, it's not wrong to plate your hair. Because if it's wrong to plate your hair, let's read verse 3. It's wrong to wear clothes. (laughs) Please put clothes on, right? So it's not wrong to plate your hair or to to do your hair. That's what it means. And it's not wrong to wear gold because then the preacher would be wrong because this ring, believe it or not, it's from a thrift thrift store. It's from a pawn shop. Didn't work out for the first, at least... At least first person, but it's worked for 21 years for me, okay? So it's not wrong to wear gold or putting on of the apparel. It says, let the emphasis of our life not be on how we look on the outside. Because a lot of people, now, if you look at how women would, uh, they would really, really do their hair. And in Victorian eras or whatever, they'd have these wigs and, and you know, these huge hats and everything. And everything was to be better than the other person. Like Instagram. I don't know where, you know where the women kind of pooch their lips? And they, they like, they pooch their lips up like they're going to kiss you and they give the peace sign. I saw a guy that was posing for a picture. And it was like a seven-year-old guy. And he had his lips all pooched up like, mm. And I was like, I thought just girls did that. But I guess guys do it too. Well, God doesn't want to let it be the outside. Look, I know. And I don't think it was a guy that was trying to get another guy's attention. I think it was just he was being cool, right? So the Bible says, though, that God has an Instagram. 
God has an Instagram, and this is where the focus is on our subjection to God. And so, again, let me share. It's not wrong to do your hair. In fact, doing your hair looks nice. It looks nice as a, uh, as a you know, as a, as a put-together person uh, to, wear ni- to wear your clothes nicely, the clothes that you have. But that's not our focus. It says in verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. Now, he's talking about to, to ladies in which... In that which is not corruptible, here's the beautiful part of a lady. The ornament or the decoration of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God, which is in the sight of God, great price. It's a great price. Even when Samuel went to anoint one of Jesse's sons, he said, oh, Eliab, the first son, he had, Jesse had his boys lined up, right? The Jesse boys, right? And uh, there were a bunch of them there, and God said, nope, didn't choose him. God said, nope, didn't choose him. And you know what he told Samuel? God doesn't look on the outward appearance. God doesn't look on the Instagram. You know, Eliab's Instagram, Shammah's Instagram, where they're like focusing and they have like the, you know, the measuring tape on their biceps. God doesn't really care about that. But the Bible said, man looketh on the outward appearance, but you know where the Lord looks? He looks on our heart. And that's where we're subject to God. And that's how we get saved. We're subject to God in our heart. And that is in the sight of God, great price. It says, for after this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves. And the greatest adorning a woman can have is that meek and quiet spirit. It's like a, it's an attitude of worship that the woman carries. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful to men and it's beautiful to the Lord too. It says being in subjection, sounds like it's a curse word, unto their own husbands. That's what the Bible says. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham. And they had some disagreements if you read about that, right? Calling him Lord, whose daughter's you know, my, my wife worships me. So every day when she cooks, she worships me. She, she makes me burnt offerings and lays them before. No, I'm just kidding. No, she doesn't. <laughs> but no, that, she's a good cook. She's a good cook. <laughs> I would worship her in that way. I'd give her a burnt offering. So even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And the Bible said, whose daughters are ye as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any amazement. That means... As long as you do well and you're not afraid because of anything that you've done against that marriage. Okay, that's what that means. So uh, living in subjection, there's a decision that a woman has to make. I'm not going to be just in subjection to my husband, but I want to be in subjection greater to that as a subject to God. Just as if you ever heard of a king... What do they call the people under the king? Not just the women, but the men. They call them subjects, right? In the kingdom. And as a Christian, we are all subject unto the Lord. I'm an American and I'm subject unto the law. If the law pulls me over, I don't say, I'm a man. (laughs) And they'd be like, well, we have a cuff, set of cuffs that fit you. (laughs) We have men's size cuffs, right? So, um... Marriage is when a man and a woman become as one. So the, the trouble starts when they try to decide which one, right? That's the problem with marriage. <laughs> but uh, 
this this person, this this wife had just got married, and she said, "Our new neighbor always kisses his wife when he leaves for work. Why don't you do that?" And the husband said, "How can I? I barely even know her." <laughs> well, I had to put my foot down because my wife said I was impersonating a flamingo. So. <sighs> when your wife and a hus- when your wife or your husband get a little upset. Just remember, if you just say a simple call down to them in a soothing voice, that's all it takes to make them get a little bit more upset. (laughs) I asked my wife what she wanted for Christmas, and she told me nothing would make me happier than a big diamond ring. So I bought her nothing. (laughs) The son said, Dad... I heard that in some parts of the world, a man doesn't even know his wife until he marries her. And he said, son, put his hand on the little boy's shoulder. He said, son, that's everywhere. (laughs) So, verse 7, the Bible is an equal opportunity employer. We got the likewise for the wives to be subject to their husbands. Now, verse 7, it goes the other, the shoe gets on the other foot, right? And it says, likewise, ye husbands. The husbands are like listening to this letter being read going, yeah, Peter, go, go, Peter. And then uh, here come the husbands. Dwell with them according to knowledge. And I know my wife is not like one of the boys. And my daughter's not like one of the boys. I kind of, you know... You know, tap my daughter on the shoulder like, hey. And she's like, ow, you hurt my shoulder. You know, that's how men greet one another. But not ladies, okay? Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. There's really four things to look at here. First of all, dwell with them according to Knowledge, knowing that women are not the same as men. And you know what? It doesn't take long to figure out that we are not the same. Not better, but just different. <laughs> First of all, and then it says the second thing, well, how are we, we were supposed to give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Now, women are more delicate uh, and, and uh, more beautiful than men. But this word weaker vessel literally means less strength. Now, there's uh, a lot going on in college sports, and there are some men that want to become women and race against the women. And you know what? They're winning. Say, why? Well, because if a man says they're a woman, but they've already gone through puberty, they have a distinct advantage over a woman. That's why, and I'm not trying to get political, but that's why we have men's sports. And women's sports, because men have a distinct advantage. You see, during puberty, now this is a biology lesson, you've all heard of this. So there's testosterone and estrogen in men and women. You carry both of those hormones, okay? And they develop your sex organs. Well, in puberty, women get an influx, and God just makes this happen, of estrogen. And estrogen develops the woman into a woman, okay? And... They have more estrogen. They have higher estrogen levels than in men. So when men mature, the primary hormone is called testosterone. It's like a steroid, right? It's, it's, it's uh, 
develops the male reproductive system. But there's a secondary characteristic of what this testosterone does. Men have like seven to eight times the amount of testosterone in their body as women. So if a man decides to compete against women in sports, it's not fair, right? Why? Because men are the stronger vessel. So testosterone develops muscle and bone mass, which is why men get bigger and stronger physically than average on average than a woman. So this is what it's saying here. It's a biology lesson. It's like, look, she's not as strong as you. What are you supposed to do? Not beat her up, but honor that distinction. And you know, that's what we're supposed to do as men, noticing that the women aren't as strong. You know, I'm just talking about on average. You know, there's, a, there's women that can whoop some men up, okay? I understand that. Go on YouTube. I saw this one lady. She was whooping up on a dude, like boxing him. I mean, it was, it's wild. But women are the weaker vessel, and they're to be honored as such. We're supposed to protect and care for those women in our relationships, our wives, our daughters, and then it says we are heirs together. Do you know that the Bible says that Jesus doesn't look at us as, as, as men or women or Jews or Gentiles, but we're supposed to be one in Christ. We're together. And God looks at you as someone who has accepted Christ as your Savior. Now, the Bible said that we're heirs together of the grace of life. Notice that God looks at us in a similar fashion, not in our outward appearance, not how strong you are, okay? Listen, uh, that it says in the last thing, that your prayers be not, what? Hindered. You know, if a wife and a husband aren't treating each other correctly and they go to pray at altar call, you know what happens? I thought hindered meant this. Have you seen someone like saying, hold me back, hold me back, and they're holding themselves back? That's not what it means. And... From the Greek, the word hinder means, hindered comes from this uh, Greek word, ekkapto, which means to chop or cut down. And it made me think of that guy in the Bugs Bunny commercial. And Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck took a wrong turn in Albuquerque and they ended up in the Arabian Nights, which is like Sinbad the Sailor, Alibaba and the Forty Thieves, uh, Aladdin, okay, so... They were in the Alibaba and the 40 Thieves, I think. And then there was this guy guarding the treasure named Hassan, right? He was this big guy. And he had this big sword. And he was rocking around going, Hassan, chop! I don't know if you've ever seen that. but it's in the, And he was trying to chop people's heads off and guard the treasure. And I just thought about that man. When we don't treat each other right in, in our marriage, God's coming around going, Hassan, chop! And we're trying to pray and say, God! Do this in my life. And God's going, chop, chop, chop. And he's cutting all these prayers down until when? Until we begin to treat each other correctly. And I'm going to probably get into a little bit of that. I'm out of time. But the decision to be subject, uh, there's, some, there's a verse of scripture that will revolutionize your marriage. And it's Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 33. So let me just leave with that. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And see the, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So the husband is commanded to love his wife. Commanded by God to love his wife. And the wife is commanded by God to honor her husband. Commanded. But what if they don't respect, if, if, you know, if my wife doesn't respect me, I'm not going to love her. God doesn't say you get a choice. 
God says, you do your part anyway because it's the word of God. And uh, to leave you with this, I remember listening to this illustration of this preacher that was trying to have a baby, he and his wife. And they couldn't have a baby. And you'd think, oh, it's easy to have a baby. They have them on accident, you know. <laughs> There's extra babies out there. Well, sometimes it works that way. But sometimes it's hard to have a baby. And this preacher and his wife could not have, they could not get pregnant. And so the preacher went to the Lord. And he was kind of upset. And he said, God, you know, I serve you and, you know, done all these things. And how come my wife can't get pregnant? And you know what God laid on his heart? You know it's God when he tells you something that you don't want to hear. <laughs> he said, you need to start treating your wife right. Ooh. Ooh. You know that's God, right? God's not like, yes, my servant. So he did. And guess what? He had a child. I really believe that our prayers are hindered when we don't do things right because the Bible says so. I'm flying by my instruments. But when we begin to do things right, if my wife says that, honey, I don't feel like I'm being treated right, honey, let's talk about this. Because this is affecting both of our prayer lives. If I feel like I'm, or you feel like I'm disrespecting or uh, uh, not loving you the right way. And brethren, if you love your wife, she'll want to respect you. And if she doesn't respect you, you're still fulfilling what God told you to do. And God will bless you for that. And hear your prayers. And you know what? That's a powerful place to be in a place where your prayers reach up to the Lord. So it's a decision to be subject. And you know what? We all are going to be subject to something. We might as well be subject to the Word of God because it will hook us up to Him, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's dismiss in prayer, Brother Patterson. you dismiss us? Hey, God bless you is our prayer. If you got any questions, I know there's a whole heaping lot and stuff you might not have heard before, but hey, let's live it and let our lives be blessed so we can win for God. God bless you. God bless you, Reverend Patterson. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for this Bible study, for the teaching of the word. We pray and ask right now to find a lot of Christ in every heart and life. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.